And a very good morning to you in the stressless this morning. We've got Caitlin Webb, who is here in studio. And I'm going to say good morning and welcome to you first. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much for being here today. I appreciate that. So we were just talking that you're not actually Forest Service personnel. You're BLM, but you're on detail or working with Forest Service now for the next few months. And Correct. Yes. My normal day job is public affairs with the BLM, Prineville District. I'm detailed into the public affairs officer with the Deschutes National Forest through the end of July. Well, so. very nice to have you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, let's talk prescribed burns first off, because we've already had a couple of those uh, this with season. It just opened up again. Uh, what's that looking like? And uh, are we looking for a lot of different areas that are going to be doing that? And it seems like you've got a kind of a short window this year. Yeah, it's it's been a very wet winter and, and spring as well. So we did have the window of conditions that we needed to kick off spring fire season, prescribed fire season last Thursday. We did begin burning. Our, our focus areas for this spring are primarily adjacent to West Bend, Sun River, Lapine, and Sisters. The forest is hoping to burn approximately 10,000 acres on the Ben Fort Rock Ranger District this year, 1,100 acres on the Crescent Ranger District, and 2,000 acres on the Sisters Ranger District. So a lot we want to accomplish, and we'll be burning as conditions allow. Yeah, it seems like it's, it's a, a pretty big goal to it get is. done. It is, yes. Um, how can people know when these burns are going to take place and where? There are a couple great resources. They can check our website, centraloregonfireinfo.org. That will have information about what burns we have planned and where they're going to be. Another fantastic resource is our Twitter. And if folks follow our Central Oregon Fire Info Twitter account, they will get live updates of when we are planning to do a test burn, how that went and whether or not we're planning to proceed with ignitions throughout the day. If people are seeing smoke in the air, it's a great idea for those folks to either go to the website or Twitter account to see whether it's that prescribed burn and where it might be. Now, is there, I get text alerts, and so can people sign up for the text alerts too? Yes, you can also sign up for text alerts. If you text COFIRE, C-O-F-I-R-E, to 888 777, you'll get text alerts like you're talking about, about under understory prescribed fire happening across Central Oregon. Okay. Yeah, those are really, really helpful. And when uh, people see smoke, uh, you know, the first thing they do is call the radio station and we have to know. But if you can find out for yourself, yes, either Twitter or get texted by it, then that's really, really helpful too. Then you know what's going on. You're not so nervous about things. Exactly. We went through... Um, uh, well, the sisters area, a couple of days after the burn, and there was still smoke. We went through in the morning, so there's still smoke across the highway. That can be expected. That's not at all abnormal. So often when we do a prescribed burn, you can expect smoke in the area for a few days or even more after. What you're seeing is those larger pieces of woody debris like a log that might still be smoldering on the forest floor. So it's not necessarily that we're out there still lighting or continuing with the prescribed fire it is the fact that there are still different sources of heat within that perimeter and we make sure that we have resources that are patrolling those prescribed burns in those areas for as many days after as it takes until we make sure that all of those heat sources are extinguished i gave gene nelson dean a bad time for years because 
prescribed burns ruined my springs. You just come out of the cold winter weather. It's sunny and nice. You want to open your windows and smoke. So I'm going to give you a chance to go ahead and explain to me why this is necessary. Absolutely. Well, the first thing that I would say is we're trading off a little bit of smoke now to potentially prohibit having even more smoke impacts later on. So our intent with these burns is to reduce overall fuel loading to prevent those more catastrophic, more intense wildfires. So it's protecting our communities and it's also helping restore forest health. Fire is a natural part of the ecosystem here and a lot of different plants actually rely on it to be healthy. So we are helping to put fire on the ground, kind of restore that natural balance and protect communities from more intense wildfires when it gets to, to a hotter part of the year. So if we weren't putting fire on the, the ground now, for example, we might have a much more intense wildfire during the summer in hotter months that's much more difficult for us to extinguish or put out and we would likely see much more smoke production and a longer duration of those impacts. I know this is going to, is an ongoing controversy and uh, when people move to the area from outside the area they don't understand it haven't been through it before yeah. as well so this is going to be an ongoing conversation we'll drop that there for now. Yeah. Let's talk about firewood season this is time for folks to be able to get out there and, and get their firewood for the winter. I would uh, I'm assuming, and you have to tell me, has there been a precipitous drop in the amount of people who go out and collect firewood over the past several years? No, not necessarily. Really? Yeah. I was I was surprised because wood stoves are pretty much banned in Deschutes County, and you know it's it's fewer and fewer people I would thought are using wood heat, but it's still a, bit a going concern. We do still have people coming in that are getting those permits, and we don't necessarily track that really closely that we could give a really specific trend, but we do still have that interest from the public to come in, collect those permits so that they can go out and gather firewood. What are the restrictions and requirements for getting out there and getting those? So the permits are free. The permits opened up on Monday. Although the permits are free, though, you do need to come in and get a permit if you're going to collect any firewood on the forest. And the public can gather up to eight cords a year for personal use. That's key. The public can't be collecting firewood and then reselling it. If you have an interest in selling it, you do need to come in and talk with us about a commercial permit. Those are a little different. And we do want to make sure the public understands that these permits that opened up on Monday do only apply to national forest system lands, so not primeval BLM lands here in Central Oregon as well. All right, so they need to know where they're going. Yes, and that is, that's the most important part of someone coming in to get that permit, is they're going to get the map that shows them where they can collect firewood and what those restrictions are. We want to make sure people understand where they should be going, what they can collect, and how much. And firewood season starts and ends usually when? So it starts in May, and then we'll send out notifications when it ends as well. Okay. Um, recreation, big th deal. Uh, yeah. obviously with with the Forest Service. So what are some of the hotspots? We've both got uh, spring recreation season and the caves as well. Well, let's talk about the spring recreation to start with. So we have had a ton of snow this winter, which is great, but it has been limiting some access to some of our popular campgrounds and sites. And some of them 
would have been open this time of year normally, but we just haven't had the access to get in and do the hazard tree assessment and removal that's needed and the annual maintenance on the infrastructure in the area. So before we can open up campsites or day use or recreational sites on the forest after winter, we always have to go in and make sure that it's one, safe, so the hazard tree assessment, and two, ready for folks to come in and enjoy that area. Yeah, there are some people who had reservations that they just had to not go, and that's yes. just the way it was. Yep, we, we can't control the snowfall, and so what we're doing is we are sending staff out as soon as we have access to sites, and they're working as quickly as they can to make sure that we open up those areas so that people can go out and recreate. I think the, the most open area right now is Metolius Basin on the Sisters Ranger District. If folks are really, really wanting to get out and camp, that's a great start to, a place to start this time of year. And the website to go to to get reservations? Deschutes National Forest website has a great overview of what sites are open and what aren't. And if you want to get a reservation for certain campsites, you would go to recreation.gov. All right. And we'll have to leave it there for now. We've run out of time, but we can talk caves next time. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Caitlin Webb, and she's with BLM, but with the U.S. Forest Service with us here at FM News 100.1 and 1110 KBND.